Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I want to talk to you about the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Uh, it's a, the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. Now, we're not going to specifically be talking about sex, but there are some concepts and ideas in here that I think are extremely valuable for our mental health and in suicide prevention. Because part of sometimes when people want to end their lives, sometimes it is wrapped in their sexual identity, in their sexual um, uh, proclivities or ideas or needs or desires or wants or what they like. And sometimes you feel like the thing that you're into, nobody else is into, or you're into a thing and you don't have the language for why it is or what's happening with your body. Why does my body do this? And why does, you know, her body do that or their body do that? And there's just so much that I learned. I'm 47 and I have a master's degree and I've taken classes on sexual, you know, uh, sexual education and sex ed and I've read a number of books and still at this stage, I'm learning and that's what I love. And so when I feel like I've really learned something that is valuable to me, I definitely want to share that with you uh, as a listener. So I appreciate you going on this journey with me. And I just want to highlight a few of the things from this book that really stood out to me. I listened to it. I took notes uh, using Audible. This is not a plug for Audible, but I'm just, uh, I just want to be upfront about how I ingested this book. Did I read it? Did I kindle it? Did I listen to it? I listened to it. So in the chapter one, the first thing that she mentions that I love is your body is a variety of beautiful. I love that statement because so often we walk around criticizing our bodies. We look in the mirror and we notice where we need to tighten up, where we need to lose weight, what's starting to look flabby or loose or the stretch marks, right? Or the bloat, <laughs> all these different things. Should I, I wish I was taller or shorter or darker or lighter. We're looking for all these things to correct. Me, myself, I'm part of the tiny torso community. I don't know if anybody else is out there with the short torso, but I experienced that and which is why I'll never tuck my shirts in because I don't want anybody else to comment on my short torso. I probably shouldn't have told you that, but now the cat's out the bag. Um, but I love this idea that you are, your body is a variety of beautiful, the same way we have a variety of foods, of spices, of cultures and music and movies. We have all these different varieties and genres. Same thing with our body. So there is no ideal body or shape or type. Your body is a variety of beautiful. And it also ties in to my daily mantra, my new mantra, which is I feel beautiful, bountiful, and buoyant. And beautiful is not a word I typically would have put into my affirmation. But I read this article in the Outsider magazine that had uh, Jason Momoa, you know him as Aquaman or um, 
I think it was his name was Drago in Game of Thrones. Um, but he talks he talks about how when he is rock climbing, he has a new series on maybe Apple Plus where he rock climbs. And he said when he's rock climbing, he's out there in nature, his body feels beautiful. And I was like, man, look at this this dude, this monster of a man, this uh uh you know this embodiment of masculinity and he's talking about how a certain way of moving his body allows him to feel beautiful and so i i remember highlighting that and i think i even cut it out and and put it in my journal and so now it's part of my mantra i feel bountiful i feel beautiful i feel buoyant and it's it's cool. It's like it is it, it, like lightweight. It puts a little bounce in my step. Maybe I should even put bouncy in there, but I think buoyant uh, is more specific. So when you look in when you look in the mirror next time, look yourself in the eye, and just recognize that whatever you see is a variety of beautiful. I love that. That's that's chapter one. And so just completely blown away. I mean, we have a variety of everything else from music to food. So why not bodies, right? She also talks about the uh, what turns women on, right? Closeness, commitment, attention from the partner, security, uh, even explicit erotic cues like the neighbors having sex or feeling desired, grooming massages, dancing, uh, you know, just moving the body, watching the sunset, laughing together, doing these things together. The, the one that stood out to me was grooming because I, I'm one to let my beard go, you know, meaning like I, I don't always trim it up. And and after I read the grooming part, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's keep the beard tight and let's make sure, you know, we're taking two showers a day and brushing our teeth. Because if you're like me struggling, you know, with those bouts of depression, you can go a couple of days. <laughs> you can go a couple of days without, uh, uh, without showering or brushing your teeth. And, and so I've, I told myself after I went a week without taking a shower, I said, every day when I wake up, I'm going to brush my teeth, you know, uh, you know, take my asthma medication and shower. So, you know, be aware of what your bare minimum is. So, and, and put some clothes on. I mean, cause I, I can, I go a week, you know, just wearing pajamas and that's not, you know, fair to myself or to the people in my life. So I definitely don't want my girlfriend, um, you know, exposed to the Leo flowers who wears pajamas for a week. And if you're doing that, that's fine. But for me, it's just uh, a, a level of, let me make this tiny effort. And then if I want to get back in bed, so be it. <laughs> I got up, I showered, I put clothes on. I still don't want to do anything. I'm going back to bed. All right. Um, the other thing that she mentions is liking, wanting, and learning. This is This is dope because the highlight here is that we can like something but not want it right so there, there's so many 
and I think about music with this. Like I like Tupac, right? I like a lot of his songs. If somebody's playing Tupac, I like it. I'm not going to be like change the song or change the genre. I like Tupac. I don't like Tupac enough to want to buy it or to even, uh, you know, Spotify him or, you know, to add him to a playlist. I don't want Tupac albums. I don't want Tupac songs. And so there are certain things sexually that you may find that you like, but you don't want it. You don't, you don't need it. You just, you like it. You like the idea of it. You enjoy it if it's there, but it's not something that you, you know, want to make a, a, a permanent stay or make it part of the routine or, or bedroom shenanigans for you. So be aware of what you like but don't want. And, you know, feel free to communicate that. To be like, you know what, I really like this but i i don't like like there might even places that you visit that you go yeah i really like that place but i don't want to go back it was it was nice as a one-off and then there, there are things that you like and you like i like it and i want it right like even uh cars you might like a car like wow i really like that car right there that's dope i don't want that car right you can like a a, a porsche uh like a a speedster or one of those fast sports cars. But if you live in the mountains where it snows, you don't want that car. So be aware of what you like sexually, but don't want. You know, like, oh, I, don't, I don't want that. I just, but it's, it's cool in theory. But we don't have to bring that into the, <laughs> we don't have to bring that into the bedroom, right? Now, there's a part in the book where she talks about stress. And I really love how she breaks down part of the stress um, cycle where she says, you run, you survive, and then you celebrate. This is one of the things I really want to highlight. A lot of us are very good at running, getting away from the stress, right? We take off, we run, we avoid it. Ooh, that was close. And then we survive, meaning that we ran away from the, the lion and then we survive the, the attack, right? Or whatever the threat was. I don't know how many of us celebrate the survival. I think a lot of us, we survive, we're relieved we survive, and then we just carry on with the rest of our life. Just going to the next thing. The celebration part is so key because it, it recognizes and validates our experience. And it's a way of saying, hey, I don't have to be afraid completely of future attacks, and I don't need to be a, I don't need to be ashamed of what happened. Um I'm acknowledging what happened. I'm going to celebrate that I survived. And this is why when you watch an NFL game, uh, the players celebrate when they score a touchdown. Or if you watch a soccer game, they celebrate. They 
They literally are running. And they're trying to survive with the football long enough to get across the goal line or to get the ball into the goal or what have you. And then if they achieve that massive celebration, people are jumping on you, they're hugging you, they're high-fiving you, you get paid more. Like, it's, it's ingrained in sports. And unfortunately, we leave it, for the most part, just in sports, or we give it to kids, right? If kids run, survive, we celebrate them. But as adults, if you run and you survive, we don't really celebrate. We will, you know, be like, well, at least you made it through. We do that kind of thing, right? Kind of dismiss it. Well, oh, that's over, right? But we don't go, all right, you know what? Let's go celebrate. You survive. And we'll, we'll dance the night away. Maybe not the night because we got to get up early. But I, I really want you to write that down as part of your. And that's why, you know, the other part of my mantra is to create, collaborate, and celebrate. Because I recognize that I fall short on one collaboration. Two, really in celebration and just high-fiving, acknowledging and recognizing and just, you know, having fun. Let's remind ourselves that we can have fun. When you look at the animal kingdom, the zebra gets attacked by the lion, the, the zebra runs, survives the attack, and then, you know, all the zebras get around and they, and they party and they play. And then they keep, they keep it moving after that. So. Which, you know, ties into the next thing that Emily talks about in his book, Come As You Are, which I really enjoyed. I, I, I can't stress it enough, um, you know, how much I learned because she's not just talking about sexuality. She's talking about dealing with the stress cycle. And when she talks about the stress cycle, so when we're stressed, it's not about avoiding stress. It's about completing the stress cycle. I'm going to say that one more time. Life is not about avoiding stress. It's about completing the stress cycle. And this kind of goes back to the run, survive, celebrate. But I want to get a bit more detail than this, right? Um, so we'd run from the stress, survive it, and then we would sleep. You know, get some sleep, get some rest so that your nervous system can recover. Uh, we can meditate, we can cry, we can journal. Grooming is part of completing the stress cycle. Tai Chi, some type of movement, right? Um, and finding a place where we can have all the feels, right? Because there's a difference, she says, between dealing with the stressor and handling the stress. Don't be afraid of the dark thoughts. So a lot of us have dealt with the stressor, but we haven't figured out how to handle the stress. So the stressor, if you're a zebra in the wild, would be the lion attacking you. The lion is the stressor. And after the lion goes away, you're still left with the stress, meaning like the cortisol still flooding your body and the worry and the uh, you know, looking over your shoulders and is, is, there, is the lion still there and what was that noise kind of deal? So have you figured out how to handle the stress 
And that's why they talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. But uh, they don't even say disorder anymore because it's not a disorder. It's a post-traumatic stress response. So it really should be PTSR. It's how our body responds naturally to a stressor. And if the, 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 the greater the stressor or perceived stressor, then the greater the post-traumatic stress response. So if you're a person who um, is being abused or maybe you're attacked on the street, you know, and you run, you get away or they get arrested or maybe you don't get away. They attack you um, and there's bruising. So, of course, like you want to heal and and get some rest and, and do all those things to take care of yourself physically. But then the mental part is allowing yourself to cry is the emotional part. Uh, going into meditation, which brings you into a kind of a mindfulness and allowing you to be present instead of looking at the past or the future. Journaling can be part of that. Grooming, Tai Chi. Uh, And I really like the grooming part also. I know we talked a bit about this earlier, but grooming is really a way of reminding our bodies that we can slow things down. I used to think that grooming was kind of self-indulgent like why are you grooming like what's up what's up with all the the lotions and the potions and the things you're spraying on and rubbing on and uh you know cake and cake you know whatever it is and then i realized that when we are grooming each other where it's a signal to our nervous system that we are in a space of peace and rest and calm and tranquility. If you look at the animal kingdom, especially uh, apes and chimps, they groom each other. It's also a way of connecting, of checking in. If we spent more time in the evening grooming each other, like, you know, you're putting lotion on each other or stretching each other out or looking in each other's hair um then we could find those cancer spots or notice if uh you know something uh, doesn't look right or if there's some needs that need to be addressed it gives us a way of really connecting with each other physically when uh, so many of us really struggle to connect with each other verbally a lot of times we don't have the language for what we want to express. And sometimes we can feel it in how we touch each other and 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 hold space for each other. So it's it's a reminder that no matter what's happened through the day, that um this is a, a safe space. And anything that you want to say, this is the time to say it now, right? Um it's kind of like cooking when it's it's almost like we need kind of a background activity to open up emotionally whether it's tossing football around or cooking in the kitchen or grooming each other or washing in the car we need that kind of background activity to open other things up so for me grooming is is such a valuable uh, thing that A lot of us don't have. The other night, Michelle and I were at a party, and she came behind me. She just started massaging my shoulders. 
I was like, oh, my God, this is what we got to do. We have to do this more often in the evening. Um, besides just, you know, Netflixing and chilling, it should be massaging and chilling, right? Um, and she, Emily goes on to say that survival is different than recovery, right? Because you can survive something but not really recover from it. So that's why it becomes really important to for us to go through the stress response and she mentions three ways to go through the stress response or to deal with uh stress right if you survived an attack or some traumatic experience it doesn't have to be an attack it could just be um it could be a physical attack an emotional attack uh an awkward situation uh something that was very tense and stressful so we can use the top-down approach which is using like cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. And if you want to know what more of that is, I don't, I'm not going to get into details in it in this episode, but you can look that stuff up. But really it's about looking at your thoughts and seeing if you have some all or nothing thinking, are you catastrophizing the situation? Um, are you, um, you know, to, are you, is there a way that we can reframe it so that it's empowering you? Are you demonizing? the the individuals involved like what are the cognitive thoughts and then what behaviors could you have done differently that may have yielded a different outcome right so you know if you look up cbt or dbt that is more of a top-down approach meaning we're going to get into your head and then work our way down and then there's the bottom up approach which is more somatic getting into your body uh, massage, acupuncture, um, because emotions want to be travelers, not residents. I want to say that again. Emily says that emotions want to be travelers, not residents. So whatever emotions you're feeling, the emotions want to travel. They don't want to, they don't want to hang out in one spot. They're not like your, your uncle or your neighbor that stops by and, and never wants to leave. Like they are travelers. Your emotions are nomadic by nature. They're not trying to stay there forever. So anything that we can do to help them uh, move along, acupuncture, massage, uh, going for a walk, kind of grounding yourself, putting your feet in cold water, that is a bottom-up approach, right? And then the sideways approach is mindfulness. Now, before you go, oh, here we go with the mindfulness, I really love how Emily describes mindfulness. She says that, Mindfulness is about picking something that you want to put your attention on and then noticing when your mind is drifted from that and bringing it back to what you're focusing on. It's all mindfulness is. So, for instance, if I say I'm going to focus on my breath, just the inhaling and exhaling, that's what I want to be mindful of. So if I start thinking about the football game or a trip next week or something that she said two years ago, all I'm going to do is say, oh, I, I've just noticed that my mind is drifting off my breath. I'm going to bring it back to my breath and then keep going from there. That's all mindfulness is, is being aware of when your mind is drifting from the thing that you want to be focused on and bringing it back to what you want to focus on um because a lot of like you know because this happens all the time where you're working on something 
and then your phone goes off ding and then all of a sudden you're in your phone and then you're scrolling and you, it takes you 10 minutes to notice that you are off track that you um to be mindful of the fact that you were working on something and now you're you're off doing this other thing right so we have to practice mindfulness on a daily basis and not just wait until you know we're all upset and our cortisol levels um, are through the roof we don't want to do that so once again there's the top down approach the bottom up approach and then the sideways approach to dealing with trauma right um and then i'm gonna finish off with this last part because i i, I love this she says Home is where we can discharge emotions without judgment, right? We need time and space for feels. That I've never heard home described like that, and I love that. It's anywhere we, we can just, and I think this is why nature feels like home for so many people, because in nature, you can emote all of your emotions and the trees and the birds and the grass None of them are going to judge you. None of them are going to be like, what'd you say? Why'd you say that? Like, you know, they're not, they're not going to call the cops on you. Um, they're not going to yell at you. They're not going to turn their backs on you. Uh, they're not going to throw anything at you. They're just going to keep doing what they do. They're just going to listen and absorb and, and keep on uh, with their life. And so I love that, that home is where we can discharge emotions without judgment. Now, this doesn't mean that you go home and just wild out and say and do, <laughs> just start discharging all over the place. That's not what she's saying. But for a lot of us who are afraid to cry in front of our loved ones or even experience extreme joy, right, for whatever reason, um, it that's so find that place that feels like I, and i think this is why therapy is so valuable because if you find a good therapist then you really what you found is a place where you feel like you can emote and say all the things that you want to say and not feel judged by your therapist right um she later on goes to say that stop cultivating the weeds of self-criticism and nourish the flowers of confidence. I like that one. Yeah, because, you know, we're cultivating weeds of self-criticism. And then um, pleasure comes before desire, sex. Oh, I love this. So, and I'll, I'll wrap up with these two last two things, right? She says, sex is not a drive. It's an incentive. Uh, of being pulled instead of pushed. She said drive is about survival. Incentive is about thriving. Or drive, uh, the drive is about surviving and incentive is about thriving, right? Bi drives are biological needs like hunger um, and, and we die without the hunger drive, but not without a sex drive. So th there's no such thing as a sex drive but there's a sex incentive. And then she goes on to say, um, be aware of sexual 
discordance, I think is the word that she used. So sexual discord discordance is recognizing that even though your body might be saying yes to uh, touch or the external stimulation, your mind could still be saying no. And the body is not, does not have the final say. It's, it's your words. So if your body is saying yes and your mouth is saying no, then, the, then it's no. If your body's saying yes and you're saying yes, then it's a yes. But what you say has the final say. I bring this up because I think, especially in, in uh, individuals who have experienced sexual assault, there might be confusion and a delay in reporting it because the body said yes on some level. And while the mouth was saying no, and so there's confusion because we tend to think that, well, if the body's saying yes, then I must want it on some subconscious level. I'm just not aware of it. And the truth is, is that the, the body's going to respond um, to touch. It's almost like uh, just because, you know, like the Pavlovian dogs where like they hear the bell and they salivate. Just because they start salivating when they hear the the bell does not mean they want to eat the bell. And, and that's the example that Emily uses in the book. It's the same thing. Like there's certain sounds and smells that may trigger a response in us, right? Uh, that uh, where it may look like that's what we want, but it's not. It's not what we want at all. Our, our brain is like, no, that's not healthy for us. Um, just like there are flowers that you see that are beautiful. And that does not mean that you want to pick it or smell it or eat it. You may recognize your brain might say, it's a beautiful flower, but it's also poisonous. So you can look at it and say, that's beautiful. And the same thing, you know, if you notice uh, a, a member uh, of uh, the sex that you're attracted to, you might your body might say yes to that person. Like, wow, I'm really turned on by this person. But your brain is like, I'm married, I have kids. Um, you know, it's it's good to, to to fantasize about that, and that's fine. But my there's just no way, right? Um, it just I'm, I'm loyal and uh, and I cherish what I have. And, uh, and this is, would not be worth the, uh, the sacrifice or the trauma or the, <laughs> the financial repercussions, right? The paperwork that might, <laughs> that might come with this. So if there's anything I want to leave you with, it's recognizing that what you say has the final say, not your body. Not your hips, not your genitals, not your your pupils, not your, you know, your uh, whatever, however your body reacts or responds or your breathing. It's what you say. If you say no, it is no. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of 
Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Um, all right. No, actually, I'm, I'm going to, there's one more thing I want to talk about um, from the book. And I think this is very valuable for those of you who want to increase your intimacy and connection in your relationships. She says, it's not about figuring out what turns your partner on. It's about learning what turns them off. She said, we all have brakes and accelerators. And a lot of times when we're saying no to sex or intimacy, it's because of the brakes and not so much because of accelerators. So accelerators would be like flowers, candy, food, music, um, you know, lingerie, et cetera, et cetera. Those would be turn-ons, accelerators, meaning like accelerating me to want to have sex. Um, but then there are breaks, right? Breaks could be stress, smells, you know, if, if neither one of you have showered or, uh, you know, maybe there's just some odor in the air. Um, it could be location. Is it public? Is it at, you know, your mom's house? Um, are the kids around? Like, what are all these breaks? Maybe there's some, uh, you just got into an argument, some resentment between you two that hasn't been flushed out. So if we learn about the breaks and we can remove or manage the breaks um, or reduce them, then the accelerators will naturally take over. The accelerators are there. It's, it's so... In most of the cases, in most cases, is not a, a lack of desire. It's the the breaks that are caked on top of it. It's all the weight of of a of a lot of external uh, stressors and internal uh, thought processes that are really putting the brakes on. And when we discover what those breaks are, then boom, we can see. Uh, the accelerators take over and see how fast this car can really go. <laughs> all right. So I'll leave you with that. It's all about the brakes, not the accelerators and, and taking time to learn what your partner's brakes are. And like, you know, for instance, I know in our relationship, like it's all about the grooming and just being clean. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, so, you know, taking those showers, uh, we're not, I, I'm down, I'm down after a little post-workout, you know, intimacy, uh, Michelle, not so much. So, but, but, you know, so learning what the breaks are and then honoring that and being respectful of that is very important. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers that are listed in the show notes. If you're in uh, France or Sri Lanka or Nigeria, anywhere in the world, wherever you are, if you're in the Dominican Republic, there are international uh, numbers for you to call, chat, text. You can always go to Thrive with Leo for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.